Thanks, guys. Thanks for wrecking me. That song just, I, I'm a mess <laughs> in a really good way. It's great to be with you guys today. Thanks again for being here. Uh, the ushers come right now and take uh, our offering. We have passed those amazing black buckets. And if you're a guest today, don't feel obligated to give. But I want to thank you for those of you that make this church your home, for your faithfulness, and everything that happens around here happens because of you. So thank you for that. Uh, we're going to talk about stress today, and I'm sure nobody can relate to that issue, but let's just pretend a couple of us have to deal with stress from time to time. And I'm going to be in Psalm 23, if you've got your Bible or your Bible app, open up Psalm 23. I'll be reading it from the NIV in just a bit. Again, I'm sure none of you can relate to this, but sometimes I get a little stressed, and uh, I, I wear it very easily. You see it on my face. I get this mean look. My blood pressure goes up. I get tense. Uh, the changes... Uh, the tone of my voice changes, my jaws get tight. And sometimes I react rather than respond. And by the way, uh, responding is always better than reacting. If you're not sure of the difference, ask your spouse, they'll tell you. But uh, I react at times and I get stressed because of things, and sometimes silly things. I was downtown a couple weeks ago, I was doing a funeral at the Davenport, and I've done weddings there, uh, and I, it's the first time I actually did a memorial service at the Davenport. And I'll be honest with you, I love weddings. I actually, I really do. I love doing weddings. They're fun. I'm doing my niece's wedding in a couple of weeks, and they're a blast for me. Funerals are still tough. I, I um, have been through you know, an age right now in my life where uh, the generation before me, my family, most of them have gone. My dad, my father-in-law, my stepdad, uh, most of my aunts and uncles, uh, and I had a lot of aunts and uncles, and, and uh, it's been difficult. And then Phineas, of course, you know my story, uh, my grandson who passed away uh, quite a few years ago. So funerals are still hard for me. I try to focus on the people and their grieving and support them, but I'll be honest with you, there's just a part of me that, that has a, an emotional challenge with funerals. And again, I'm sure you can relate to that, but I'm downtown, and it's starting to rain, I'm looking for a parking spot, I don't wanna pay $17 for the valley parking at the hotel, I don't wanna park at you know, the Northtown Mall, or whatever it is, the, uh, the mall down there, and walk, because it's starting to rain, so I'm looking for a spot, and boom, there it is, right in front of the Davenport, there's a parking spot. Cool, awesome, I pull in, and I've got this really neat app, you know that you can have an app on the phone, where you can scan the QR code on the meter, and pay for your parking right there. So I'm thinking, cool, I got a spot, I pull my phone out, I pull my app out, I open up the app, I scan the thing, it's not working, nothing. And I, I, I don't know why, and I'm frustrated. So I thought, well, maybe it's, it's, there's something wrong. So I, I closed it, I opened it back up. And here it is, you gotta see me downtown. I'm in my monkey suit. I only wear it for funerals and, and weddings. I'm in the suit, it's starting to rain. I finally have a parking spot. Things are getting a little tight, tense for me in times of time. I try to scan the thing, it's not working. And I start yelling at my phone. If you saw me, you would be embarrassed to call me your pastor because I'm yelling at my student. It's just an app, but I'm yelling at my, you stupid phone, I can't, what's wrong with you? And there's people everywhere. I mean, Elsie was having her homecoming and there's people wandering around and, and I'm sure they're looking at me like, boy, that guy, I wonder if he's homeless. Well, he doesn't look homeless, but I, it, was, it was not pretty. I was, I was ranting and raving at my phone. Now, yes, I know that of all things to get upset about, that really doesn't matter that much. I get that, it was silly, I understand. But sometimes it's not just the thing that's happening right at the moment, you know what I'm talking about? Sometimes it's a stockpile of things and other things, and then something just kind of sends you over the edge or that proverbial straw that breaks the camel's back. But, you know, so it wasn't really that big a deal, uh, but I lost it. Now, sometimes uh, I realize that what you're dealing with, what you're facing may be really big. You know, we say we make mountains uh, out of molehills. Sometimes you're actually facing a mountain. It's a huge issue in your life. It's something formidable, and I get that. Well, what I need you to hear today, regardless of the size or the source, listen, Regardless of the size or the source of your stress, there is a way to better manage stress in your life. 
And by the way, uh, we're gonna see it in the Bible. I love the Bible, how practical it is. There's a way for you to deal with stress that is actually really good for you. Quick survey, show of hands. How many of you like to be happier and live longer? Let me see your hands. You'd like to live happier and live longer? Yeah, all of us would. Well, here's the big idea, and you need to hear this. Chronic stress is bad, it can kill you. It will not make you happier, and it will not make you live longer. Chronic stress is bad, it can kill you, but God has a better way for you to live. A better way. And we're gonna take a look at that in Psalm 23 in just a minute. But before we do that, each week in this transformation series, we're encouraging you to memorize a scripture or two. And uh, last week's was 2 Corinthians 5, 17. This week, the scripture I'm encouraging you to memorize. In fact, the kids are doing it, the youth are doing it. But 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says this. Let me read it to you. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? Paul is addressing Christ followers. And he's saying, you know, we used to worship God in the temple. God used to live in the Holy of Holies. But since the, the resurrection of, of Jesus, now the Holy Spirit's come. We have him. We are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Verse 20 says, you were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. You're not your own, you were bought with a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. Interesting phrase. And what that means for us as Christ followers is that God the Holy Spirit has taken residence in you. He lives in you, the Holy Spirit dwells in you, and now you are the temple of God because that's where God lives. And it means that because you are his, you belong to him, you were bought with a price, the price of his own son on the cross, and because of that reality, Paul's saying here, live honorably. Live in such a way that you honor God, and I love, he says, with our bodies. We're talking about physical health today and dealing with stress. There are a whole lot of other things we could address, and in your life groups, this Transformation Life groups this week, uh, Rick will unpack some more for you. But we are literally to honor God with these bodies, these earth suits that we live in now. Now, of course, again, there are many ways we can do that, but learning to manage stress is one of the most important ways that we can honor God. I don't know if you've thought about it that way before, but I want you to leave today thinking, yep, stress is not honoring to God. It's not taking care of this temple, which now is the, the place the Holy Spirit lives. Psalm 23, let's pick up verse one. Psalm 23, verse one. The Lord is my shepherd, David said, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the paths the right path for his name's sake, and even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Verse five, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Even if you are relatively new to this thing called the church or to Christianity, or maybe you're still investigating, you've probably heard that these bits and pieces of this psalm before. And it's an amazing psalm. And in this psalm, David gives us at least four. If I had time, I could probably unpack seven or eight, but we'll land on four. Four things that we can do that will change the way we think and therefore change the way we live. Each week, I've been telling you the same thing at the beginning. We have to change the way we think. That, that has to be transformed so that we can change the way we live. As a man thinks, so is he. As a woman thinks, so is he. We need to experience transformation, it starts here. And next week, we're gonna unpack mental health and talk about that in a way that I hope to encourage you. Again, to understand you've gotta change what's here if you're gonna change what comes out of your mouth and what you do with your body. But before we unpack the four things I wanna land on from Psalm 23, let me quickly identify the four most common causes of stress in our lives. I think to, uh, to deal with the problem is important. To know why we have a problem is important as well. So let me run through quick, quickly four things. Number one, number one cause of stress in your life is worry. Worry. 
fact, I think worry is the biggest cause of stress for almost all of us. And there are a lot of reasons why we might worry. The two primary reasons tend to be this. One, we live in a culture of fear. You and I live in a culture today of fear. Unlike any time in history, we're exposed to more bad news 24-7 all the time through multiple venues than we ever have been before. I mean, Facebook and Instagram and the news and papers and the talk radio and on and on and on. Unlike any time in history, when something happens almost instantly, we know what's going on. There, there's an earthquake in Miramar. We know about it. Somebody gets shot and killed in Israel. We hear about it. I mean, there's, there, we're exposed to stuff all the time. And as they say in the news business, if it bleeds, it leads. The problem with that is it might make for good news, but it makes us miserable. We are constantly bombarded with, oh, oh, oh. And yeah, the world is broken and there's a lot of sin out there. I'm not denying that reality. But the fact is, because of that, we're exposed to this fear. And we live in a culture of fear. And I'm going to tell you that the Bible says perfect love casts out fear. And I want to tell you as a Christ follower, we shouldn't walk or live in fear about anything ever. Because we serve a God who's sovereign and great and in control of everything no matter what. And so culturally, we have to face that reality that's a culture of fear. The second primary cause of fear or of, of worry is that we have far more things nowadays than we used to. Even if you're relatively poor, or maybe you're at poverty level, trust me when I say you have more stuff than your ancestors did. Unlike any generation before us, we've got more stuff than anybody before. It always amazes me, no matter where I travel in the world, and I'm in third world countries and from time to time, everybody has a cell phone. Do you know that 25 years ago, nobody had a cell phone? Or if they did, it was like a weapon. It was this massive big thing that you could kill people with. But you know, people worry, I, I, my, I, my cell phone, it's not working. It's, the app's not working. It, 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 we lose it, we break them, we drop them. Just one little simple thing that's almost around the world now is another item, another thing we have that we have to worry about. How about identity theft? In our life group, Transformation Life Group at the Stinson's house this last week, one of the couples talked about the fact that they had their house broken into and, and they're worried, there the word is, worried about identity theft, which is a valid concern. Do you know that 25, 30 years ago, nobody really worried about that? It wasn't common at all. Now it happened, but it wasn't nearly as common. We got people hacking everything now and all sorts of things happening. And those are causes of worry in our life. Noel Campbell, my pastor and mentor for over 40 years, and he's gone to be with Jesus now, Noel used to say something. He said, the more you have, the more you worry. The more you have, the more you worry. And it's so true. The more stuff we have, the more we tend to worry. Worry is a big cause of stress. Number two, hurry. Second cause of stress, hurry. Everything is going faster and faster, even faster than I'm talking right now. Everything's going faster and faster. And we try to keep all the plates spinning in our lives. I mean, it's amazing to me. I watch some moms and they're like a taxi service. They drop you know, Johnny off at soccer to run Betsy over to cello lessons, to run Susie down the street to dance lessons. Then they gotta go pick up Johnny because soccer's over and they gotta take Johnny to tuba lessons. And they're running all, and they, we got all these plates spinning all the time. And that's just a mom who's trying to drive their kids you know, everywhere and do things. And then you add work to that, you add life to that, you add laundry to that, you add, there's, no wonder women are stressed. Guys, and, and you know, we constantly are facing these issues again where we're trying, we overcommit, we do too much, and we got all these plates spinning. And so the very fact that we live this crazy pace of life is added stress. In fact, here's a little phrase I want you to remember. Speed creates stress. Speed creates stress. And one of the ways you can just deal with that is to slow down, which we'll talk about in a minute. Third cause of stress, crowds. Crowds. And by that I mean the sheer numbers of people everywhere 
and all the time or so it's, it seems. And I know we live in Spokane, which is not Seattle, and I'm grateful for that. I know our traffic's not nearly as bad, but we even here, I've seen a lot of growth in Spokane in the 25 years that I've been in this town. And the source of this uh, crowd problem is commonly called urbanization. You know that back 200 years ago, in 1800, there was only one city on the planet that had a million people in it. It was London, England. Uh, it had two million rats, but it had one, one million people. It was the largest city on the planet. And it was, it was really, it was a cesspool. It was terrible. But today, there's over 500 cities, and it keeps growing. Over 500 cities on the planet with well over a million people in them. We did a little research this morning. It's, somewhere, it's, it's the toss-up between Tokyo and Shanghai. But I think Shanghai has like 35 plus million people that live in that. You know, I've, I've been to Bombay, India. I've been to uh, Bangkok, Thailand. I've been to these places, uh, Hong Kong, where you get on a, a, tr a train to go someplace and you have no space and they have no concept of personal space and you're jammed in these, you know, they push you in to keep you, you know, in these cars. And urbanization is causing stress. Even if you're a social butterfly, some of you oh, more people, that's fun. Even if you're a social butterfly, I bet you hate traffic jams. I bet you don't like wasting time. And I read something this last week that Americans waste, over here it is, ready? Four billion, B, four billion hours a year waiting in traffic. That frustrates us. There's another cost. Worry, hurry, crowds, one more. Number four, the fear of future, the fear of the future. Fear of the future. This is where we live in the world of what ifs. What if so-and-so becomes president? What if there's no social security when I'm old? What if my kids go off and do something stupid? What if I get laid off? What if I get canceled like my mom or my dad? I could go on and on and on and on. We live in this world of what ifs, and too many live in that realm, and it's causing all sorts of stress in their lives. And God doesn't want us to walk in fear, not fear of today, not fear of our future. We can walk in confidence in him. So those are four things I could have mentioned probably a dozen more, but things that cause stress in most of our lives. Let me address now four spiritual habits for reducing stress. Four things from Psalm 23 that you and I can do. Here's the first one, number one. Look to God to meet all your needs. Look to God to meet all your needs. I'm gonna make a statement. You may or may not agree with this, but I want you to at least think about it. Stress comes when you look to others to meet the needs that only God is supposed to meet. Stress comes when you look to others to meet your needs instead of looking to God. Emotional needs, physical needs, financial needs, when you, when you really look to others rather than looking to God first. And I'm not saying we live isolated without connection. Of course we do. But the point is, who is your provider? Who is your source? Who is your resource? And how do you know that you're stressing here? How do you know that you're doing that? Well, worry which was the first cause. If you're worried about stuff, then you probably aren't looking to the one who cares for you more than his own life. When we expect our resources, our skills, our experience, our you know, wits, our intelligence, or that of someone else around us to meet our needs, then we're gonna be set up for fall. And that's why David declared here in the very first verse in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Now what's David saying? He says, well, God is my resource. He's my shepherd. He cares for me. He's my good and loving shepherd. And so I, I really have everything I truly need. Please, please stop expecting others to meet needs that only God can and should meet in your life. And you'll reduce the stress. Romans 8, 32 says this, since God did not spare his own son, 
but gave him up for all, us all, won't he also give us everything else? I love that verse. I love Romans 8, it's one of my favorites. But Paul's saying, God gave his very best. He gave up his one and only son. He gave up his son for you. Is he gonna hold back? Is he gonna keep anything from you? Is, is, is he trustworthy to meet the needs you have? And the Bible says, yes, he is. And I'm telling you, your stress will drop dramatically if and when you realize how much you matter to God and how much he is promised to take care of you, to meet your every need. Here's the second spiritual habit that will help you reduce stress. Number two, follow God's instructions regarding margin and rest. Follow God's instructions regarding margin, margin in your life. You know, margin on a page is, is space. That's, there's nothing there. Margin and rest. I've done an entire series on this because it's so important, matters so much. But the fact of the matter is some of us are stressed because we don't know how or we have chosen not to hit the pause button in a, on a regular basis. And this addresses that second issue of stress, that second cause of stress, hurry. We're so amped up, so over-caffeinated, so pressed for time, so running from here to there to there, and we never stop to hit the pause button to actually take a Sabbath rest. And by the way, it's not about being lazy. It's not about not working hard. A good work ethic is important, and I think God honors those who work hard. But God designed our bodies, listen, he designed your body, your mind, your soul to need a Sabbath break on a regular basis. That's the way you're wired. And by the way, God modeled this for us in Genesis chapter two too. It says that by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing, and on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. On the seventh day, God rested. That's why in Exodus 20, that Sabbath rest is one of the top 10. It's one of the big 10 commandments, which by the way, the commandments still apply to New Testament believers. And we're to live with this understanding that God has called us, challenged us, and, and invited us, commanded us actually to take Sabbath rest. And by the way, in case you're wondering, that does not mean Sunday. Uh, it's, it's not a particular day, it's, it's a day where you take a day of rest. In fact, I defined when the series I did some time ago, I defined Sabbath as this. It's the one day where you produce nothing. So well, what's Sabbath? This kind of religious word, what does that mean? Here's the definition. Sabbath, margin, rest is the one day in your life where you produce nothing. God worked for six days on the seventh day he rested. He didn't create or make anything. And you are wired emotionally, physically, spiritually, your soul is wired to need that rest. I think we need micro Sabbaths in a day. I'm a big believer in a 20 minute afternoon nap. <laughs> you know, I'm not talking about a two hour nap, especially if you're on the clock. I'm talking about a 20 minute nap at lunchtime. I believe that we need micro Sabbaths, but I know for a fact that we need, every week we need this time. Someone once said to me, well the, ne the devil never takes a day off, Bubna. And I replied, you're right, and if I didn't take a day off, I'd be just like the devil. Most of you know that uh, I work on Sundays and I, I usually work on Saturdays. In fact, it uh, would be uncommon for me not to put in somewhere between probably 12 to 20 hours in a weekend. And I take Friday off. And I've said this many times before. I, I'm trying to model something for you I want you to do. Don't die on a Friday because I won't know about it until Saturday. <laughs> the building could burn on Friday and I won't, they had some construction issues yesterday and I got all the messages on Saturday. I don't, I don't go unplugged. It's because I need Listen, you need a Sabbath rest. You need one day a week where you produce nothing. David wrote this in Psalm 23. 
God makes me lie down. Verse two and three. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Doesn't just reading that phrase make you feel less stressful? He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. To reduce stress, find rest in your life. Write it down. To reduce stress, find rest. And let God lead you beside those quiet waters. Here's the third thing, number three. Third habit that will help you reduce stress. Recharge your soul with beauty. Now you might not have thought of this before. I don't know, maybe this will make sense to you, maybe not. I hope it does. But one of the ways that we reduce stress in our lives is we need to be recharged. We need to recharge our souls, our our lives with with beauty. Verse three, it said, God refreshes my soul. And in both the Old and the New Testament, the language is Hebrew and in Greek in the New Testament, the word soul there is psyche. And what it means is your life, your emotions, your feelings, your longings. Your soul, when the Bible, Old or New Testament refers to your soul, it's referring to the essence of who you are, your personage. And God cares about the condition of your soul. Ever wondered why he made nature so beautiful? You realize, don't you, that we could live on a really ugly planet? God could have made Earth to look just like Mars, giving us some oxygen and some water, but, you know, the red planet. We could have just, instead of the blue planet. God created, though, an incredibly beautiful place for us to live. And I think he did it to, you know, to bring honor to him, and he did it to recharge and refresh your souls. He created a beautiful world for us. We forget that. He created something amazing and beautiful for you and for me. I got a couple of pics I wanna show you. If these don't take your breath away, then you need to get glasses. Because the first, look at that. I mean, that's an incredible lake in fall colors. I wanna live right there. And some of us think, well, I, that's a nice picture, but you can't remember the last time you saw something with your own two eyes that beautiful. My favorite place in the entire world on the planet is Maui. I love Maui. And I got a picture of a beach in Maui. And I could sit there all day, all night long. I love. It's just something about the water. He leads us beside quiet waters. I just love being in that place and watching the sun go down. It refreshes my soul. Now maybe, okay, there's a couple of things. Well, nature doesn't do it for me. Well, then what about music? What about art? What about gardening? You gotta wait till spring now, but plant a garden, get your fingers dirty. Do something, find a way to engage in something that's creative and beautiful and and understand that God did that for you. Listen carefully to me, and I'm not being mean, I'm just being true. Some of you need to turn off the stinking TV and take a walk. And you need to unplug your cell phone or you need to you know, turn it off or leave it at home when you take a walk. Some of you need to sit down and, and, and learn to play an instrument. You used to play music and it, it just refreshed you. You think, oh, I used to just spend hours with my guitar. I just don't have, here's what we say, I don't have time anymore. You wanna live longer and live happier, make time. Do things that refresh and recharge your soul. One of the things that does it for me, and I'm serious about this, a cup of coffee and reading a good book, it just recharges my soul. Find something that will help you grow. God cares about your soul. And by the way, this, address, uh, this issue of, of uh, finding rest and recharging your soul addresses that issue I talked about with crowds and urbanization. And I'll just say one more thing. You know, God created you to live in a garden, not in a skyscraper. You know that, right? God created you to live in a beautiful place. Find that wherever you can. One more. Let's briefly take one more spiritual habit here to reduce your stress. Number four, decide now to trust God no matter what. Decide now to trust God. God, no matter what. Now, you can fill in the blanks on the outline, and you can hear me say that. And quite frankly, most of us go, yeah, I know I need to trust God more. But this is where some of us really need to grow the most. 
because this helps us deal with the fear of the future. The fear of the present and the fear of the future. That's why verse four in Psalm 23 is so important. David said, even though I walk through the darkest valley, the King James, through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Because you're with me. Because you're rotted and your staff, they comfort me. Because I know I'm not alone. Frankly, valleys happen. I wish they didn't, but they do. Death happens, pain happens. On this side of eternity, there's no escaping the reality that valleys are part of what we all experience. And some of you in one right now, you are literally in the valley of the shadow of death. You've either lost somebody uh, very close to you that you loved and you're missing them, or maybe you've been diagnosed with something terminal and you're thinking, man, I, now I, I, the reality of my mortality is very present. You, you, you're dealing with the reality of this valley of the shadow of death. Some of you in the valley of the shadow of debt, and you're just swimming in red ink and you have no idea how to get you know, enough money to buy groceries. You're, you're struggling. Some of you in the valley of the shadow of depression and discouragement, and you've literally struggled every day just to have any joy in your life at all, and there's stress, and it's gnawing at your soul. I need you to remember something, it's very important. When you're in the shadow, you need to remember this, that shadows always look bigger than their source. They always look bigger than their source. But wherever there's a shadow, there's light. I got a picture I took not too long ago. I took that of me because I was tall and skinny and I liked it. <laughs> but the truth is, I'm not that big. Shadows, listen to me, they always appear bigger than they are. And, but the other good news is there's, the only way that can be a shadow is that there's light. And guess who is your light? It's, it's Jesus. And so instead of focusing on the shadow, and as painful and as difficult as they are, and I get that, I'm not for a second saying ignore the shadow. What I'm saying is, David says, though I walk, you gotta keep moving. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil because I know you're with me, God. And so I want to encourage you to focus on Jesus and to decide now. I don't know what's happened yesterday, this last year. I don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow or next year. But decide now that you're gonna trust him. You're gonna walk in trust. You're gonna fix your eyes and focus your attention on him. Look to God to meet your needs. Rest in him. Carve out time, downtime, to find that Sabbath rest. Find beauty and then trust in him. And I promise you, those things will help you deal with stress in your life. One last story I wanna pray for you and we're done. Uh, about 1999, uh, early part of the year, uh, my dad, um, was diagnosed with cancer. And the doc said, it's terminal. He had stomach cancer. And they said, the best we can do, because it had spread to other areas, is we can give you chemo. And for maybe six months, maybe seven, eight, nine months, maybe you'll get another year uh, if, we, if you go through chemo. And uh, most of you know my story. My dad, uh, for the majority of my life, I didn't have a great relationship with him. He was an absentee father. And it was really a, almost no relationship. I didn't hate him, but we just didn't have any relationship at all. But when he turned 59, 60 in that year, uh, God began to heal our relationship and did some amazing things. And it was very, it was awesome for me. And so I had about three plus years with my dad that I finally had the dad that I always longed for, that I always wanted. And our relationship was great, but never better. And then my dad gets diagnosed with cancer. And to be honest with you, I was really mad at first. A little mad at him because he, like his favorite food was Twinkies. 
And uh, I don't even think they make those anymore, but he lived on them. I'm thinking, Dad, if you had just ate better, you probably wouldn't have stomach cancer. But I was a little, a little frustrated with him. But I was, I was angry, to be honest with you. I was angry at God. It's like, God, my dad and I finally have the relationship I've always longed for, the, the father I've always wanted, and now he's going to die. I was, I've struggled for a while. But what, part of the reason I came to this place of peace in my life and I was able to set aside the stress that was chewing me up I was having a conversation with my dad. He said, son, I've decided I'm not gonna do chemo. So I, I you know, might extend my life a few months, but the quality of my life just won't be worth it. And, said, and he looked at me in the eye with tears in his eyes. <laughs> he said, I'm ready to go home. I'm ready to go home. And his peace gave me peace. His peace removed my stress. How did that happen for my dad? Well, he kept his eyes on the one who's bigger than the shadow of death. Bow your heads, let me pray for you. Father, stress is such a uh, huge issue for so many in our culture today. And I see it on the faces of the people that they walk in the lobby, Lord, I can see stress. And Lord, I know sometimes um, it's things that are out of our control and we really can't do anything about it. But Lord, I do believe this, that we can't control the circumstances, but we can control our attitude. And and we can do some things, God, some real practical things, biblical things, things that, that David taught us in Psalm 23 that will help us deal with the reality of stress in our lives. Because you want us healthy, Lord. You want us to walk in peace. You want us to walk in love, that perfect love that, that casts away, that drives out all fear. And so, Lord, for these people that I love so much right now, for those watching online, I just pray, Jesus, that in this moment, you would show them where they've been stressing, show them the why, and then show them what they need to do. That one practical thing that they can do, carve it out time, focusing on you, absorbing something of beauty, just refreshing their soul. Lord, whatever, show them the one thing they can do right now that will help them leave here today transformed by you. Keep your head bowed and your eyes closed just for a minute. Maybe you're here today and you've not yet started your life as a Christ follower. Guys, I'll be honest with you. I don't know how anyone survives without Jesus. I, I, I've lived a long time and I've lived with God and without God. It's way better with him. It doesn't fix all your problems, but it gives you the resource of his presence, his power, his love, his care in a way that I can hardly describe for you until you experience it. And maybe you're here today and you're thinking, you know, it's time for me to say yes to God. It's time for me to accept what he did for me on that cross. It's time for me to become a Christ follower. It's time for me to begin this journey of faith. And you're here and you know that in your gut. You just know it in your knower. It's time. And you're ready today to say yes to him. I'm gonna pray a very simple prayer. What I'm gonna ask you to do is make this prayer yours right now. Make my words yours. Just own this in your own way. Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus for me. 
Jesus, thank you for dying on that cross for my sins. Thank you for choosing me. And right here, right now, I choose you. I say yes to you. I surrender my life to you. I embrace what you did for me, Jesus, on that cross. And right here, right now, I'm making the decision to follow you. God, I, I'm not sure what that all means. I know I'm going to need your help. But I'm making the choice. I'm stepping into faith right here. I'm stepping out of the darkness into light right here. Right now. Now, if that's you, again, in your own way, just say, yep, God, that's me. It's what I want. It's what I need. And the instant you say yes to him, you're his kid, you're his child. The Holy Spirit takes up residence in you and your soul. You're his child. Lord, for those making that decision now, I pray that you burn in the depths of their being, God, their soul, that they belong to you and that they're forgiven because of you and that they can leave your today transformed because of you. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. I got done early. We're good. I encourage you to take the next four minutes. Sing that song we just did at the end of the last worship set and let this seal what God's done in your heart. Let's worship. I'll come back and wrap it up. Love that line. To the one who's rescued my soul. Listen to today. If you begin your life's Christ follower, your soul got rescued by Jesus, by his love. I encourage you to tell somebody. Let them know. Let me know. We want to walk with you in this journey. We say that all the time, but we mean that. This is the beginning. It's not the end of the line. It's the beginning of this journey. On the tables, uh, by the doors, there's a plastic basket, a Bible, so we're you straight to walk with Jesus. Pick one of those up as well. There's more Halloween invites. Pick those cards up. Prayer team will be down front. There's always communion available on both sides of the room. And I would encourage you, I hope a lot of you are going to go grab breakfast or brunch someplace and come back for EP 101 at 1 o'clock, which is going to be in the Xbox, the youth room across the way. But here's my prayer. Here's my benediction. Here's my hope. Go live this week with less stress and more rest. God bless you guys. I love you. Thanks for being here today.